You're listening to the CCF Saturday Night Service Podcast. To connect with us, you may chat us at m.me slash elevatemain. We hope you enjoy today's talk. Blessed Merry Christmas to all of you. Praise God. You know, I want to really share with you what I feel is really most important especially when it comes to Christmas. But before that, I want to give you a test, all right? You like exams? You like quiz? No, that's right. Don't worry, this won't be graded. Question number one, how did Mary and Joseph get to Bethlehem? Answer, uh, can you make the PowerPoint bigger? Yeah, they walked, he walked, she rode a donkey, they rode on camels. How many says, what, what do you think is the answer? How many says A? How many says B? How many says C? Okay. None of the above. We don't know. The Bible does not say. Next. What animals were around the manger? Sheep, A. Sheep, goats, donkeys, B. Chicken, camels, horses, C. Cows, pigs, carabao. Okay. How many says A? How many says B? How many says C? How many says none of the above? <laughs> none of the above, okay? That's why you need to study the Bible. This is very interesting. When is the birthday of Jesus? December 25? September 17? January 6? A, B, C. Answer? Oh, nakaaway na kayo. None of the above. We don't know when. Now, this is very interesting. How many kings from the east visited Jesus? A, B, C. How many says A? How many says B? How many says C? How many says none of the above? None of the above. The Bible does not say how many. In fact, it can be a lot of people. You know why? They need protection. So, what is Christmas? I want you to whisper to your neighbor. What is Christmas to you? My outline today is very simple. I'm going to talk about what is Christmas, what is the significance of Christmas, and how should we respond to Christmas? Is that okay with you? Yes. All right. What is Christmas? Have you discovered your answer? Because your understanding of what Christmas is will determine how you will celebrate this Monday. Remember, December 25 is not the birthday of Jesus, but it is symbolic. It is just to commemorate his birthday. I want you to know something from the Bible. God does not command us to remember his birth. He commands us to remember his death and suffering for us. It's not about his birth. So we don't need to know when. However, I'd like you to learn in your heart, in your mind, what is Christmas. To me, for many people today, it's very sad 
they don't exactly understand Christmas. So for many people, what is Christmas? Can you give me some examples of what is Christmas for people today? Gifts, shopping, food, food. Like, like later on, you are going to destroy the meaning of Christmas. You're going to eat. Ano ba? Lechon. Oh, nako, lechon. Oh, ano ba? Traffic. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. All right. Okay. Vacation. What about oh, money? Who said money? God bless your family. Money. Okay. The reality is Christmas is something that is so important because it is God's way of reminding the whole world, believers or unbelievers, that something happened 2,000 years ago. It is God's way of reminding the whole world that God did something. You see, Christmas is historical. It's real. It's not a legend. Therefore, i like to submit to you, to understand Christmas, let's look at what the Bible has to say. Luke chapter 2. Let's read together. Luke chapter 2. The angels said to them, these them are who? Shepherds. So the angels said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let me share with you some of my observations from this amazing verse. First of all, God wants you to know today, don't be afraid. The truth is we all have problems. I just came from Baguio and talked to some of the leaders, and I realized there are problems all over. One of the leaders' wife just went through operation. Another leader, the reality is uh, his son got into drug problem. I was talking to another couple, and the wife discovered the husband is not only addicted to pornography, the husband is addicted to sex. I talked to another couple, they're struggling with health. So the reality is, we do have problems, yes? Many of us are so blessed, we have a tendency to forget that there are many people today all over the world suffering. So how can the Christmas message bring comfort? And this one thing I like you to understand. Do not judge God based on circumstances, but judge your circumstances based on who God is. You must remember this truth for the rest of your life. You know why? In fact, you can copy that quotation. Okay? Do not judge God based on your circumstances, but judge circumstances based on who God is. Learn to see things from God's perspective. My friend sent me a nice quotation. It talks about suffering and pain. Let me share this with you. When it comes to suffering and pain, trials are best understood from the timeline of eternity. Think about it. Suffering and pain is best understood 
from the perspective of heaven. Why am I saying that? I'd like you to know, what can we learn about God? Number one, let's look at Luke chapter 2 one more time. The first thing I'd like you to learn about God is this. God is for you. God is for me. It says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. You know the word good news? That's exactly the word gospel. If you were to transliterate, translate this word, the word good news is from the Greek word evangelio. Gospel evangelio. That is literally the meaning. So what is Christmas? Christmas is the gospel. Christmas is good news. Now, how do you spell Christmas? Christ must. Do you know the root word for Christ must? That word must comes from an old English word copied from the Latin word misa. Misa means what? To proclaim. So Christmas, misa means to send. So when the mass is over, they say you can go home. That is the olden practice. So misa has two usages. One is celebration, mass. But originally, that is not the meaning. The meaning of mass, misa, misa, mission. God sent his son for a mission. Christmas, Christ's mission. Christmas, you and I are to proclaim Christ. But the whole idea of Christmas is the central word called Christ. Everybody say Christ. So Christmas is all about Christ. Not money, <laughs> not shopping, not gifts. But the world wants to distort Christmas. I'm very sad. In America today, they say happy holidays. You know, some people, because they don't understand Christmas, they don't understand God, they become indifferent. For others, they are even antagonistic. They're even angry. But for you and I, how should we respond to Christmas? I want to share with you today's message, okay? After knowing the significance, I'd like you to remember the main idea here. Christmas is all about Jesus, right? Jesus is our sure hope. Yes or no? Because he's our sure hope, I want you to remember this word. During this Christmas, worship him. Say that, worship. So what is worship? Worship is our response to who God is, what he has done, and what he will do for us. So this Christmas, the best response you can give is to worship Jesus. Now how do you worship him? I'm going to explain to you. Let's look at this verse one more time. According... To Luke chapter 2, what can we learn about Christmas? This gospel, this good news, will bring us great joy. You know what amazes me? Hindi lang joy. Great, mega, great joy. Not only great joy. The Bible tells us which will be for all. Now, if you have been with CCF long enough, you know I always explain the meaning of great joy for all people. Sometimes you have good news. You are happy. Example, you're getting married. Will you be happy if you're getting married? Like tonight. Somebody's getting married tonight from CCF. Of course, I couldn't go. But do you think that person is happy? Louder. Yes. What about the girl who fell in love with his boyfriend who is marrying her. 
What about her friend who likes the boy? Except the boy is not marrying her friend, the boy is marrying her. Will that friend be happy? Hmm. What's my point? You know, sometimes good news is good for you, but not good for your friend. Yes? This is amazing. It is good news for who? For all. So what can you learn? I want you now to consider the heart of God. God is really for you. God wants you to be joyful. Is God after your interest? Come on, think about it. Christmas tells me God is for you. God loves you. Notice, today in the city of David, now historical, so this is a historical event. It is not man-made. There has been born for you, everybody read, Savior, Christ, the Lord. So you have three titles for Jesus. Title number one, Savior. Yeshua, Savior. Christ, Christos, means what? Messiah in the Greek, in the Hebrew language. In the Greek language, anointed king, Christo, Christ, anointed one. So the first title of Jesus, Savior. Second title, Messiah. In other words, there can be no other Savior except the chosen one, Messiah, the chosen one, the anointed one. Third title, Lord. And that's what most people don't understand. Jesus is not just your Savior. He's not just the chosen Messiah. He is the Lord. So what does that mean? Serious implications. Think about it. Who is Jesus? Do you know this good news? Most of us stop with this verse. Praise God. Christmas is good news. Jesus came. But the significance that I'd like you to focus on today is simply this. Jesus did not just come the first time. This Christmas guarantees the fact that Jesus came the first time and he's coming again the second time. So, what is the good news? Jesus came to be our Savior, to be our Lord, to be our Messiah, but he's coming again. Tell your neighbor, Jesus is coming again. Now, why is that crucial? Because that is part of the gospel. I realize many times we fail to understand the gospel does not stop with what God is doing today. The gospel continues telling us that he not only died on the cross, he rose again, he is coming again. So Jesus is coming again. That's for sure. Can I tell you something about the coming of Jesus, the first coming, second coming? There are over 300 prophecies about the first coming. Over 300. The second coming, there are over 1,500 prophecies, at least 1,500. According to David Jeremiah, over 1,800 prophecies about the second coming. In short, if the first coming has 300 prophecies and all of them have been fulfilled in the coming of Christ the first time, there are 1,500 plus prophecies that's going to be fulfilled. And many of them are being fulfilled right now. For example, I want you to show you a chart. Simple chart, okay? First coming. Example only. In the prophecy of the first coming, you have Jesus going to be born in Bethlehem. 
But you know the Bible talks about the second coming. You know where Jesus will touch down? Mount of Olives. The Bible is very clear. In the first coming, it was quiet. Shepherds, a few people saw Jesus as a baby. The Bible tells us in the second coming, it will be glorious. And he's going to come in in the clouds with power, with myriads of angels. And the Bible tells us everybody will see him. I never understood that until I realized technology. Today something can be happening and all of us will see it. The Bible says every eye will see him when he returns in glory. Not secretly, in glory. You know, the first time Jesus came, he was the Savior. But do you know something? The second time he comes, he's going to be the judge and he's going to be the king. And that's why I added something. The first coming is really good news. The second coming is good news and bad news. Good news for people who know how to respond properly to the first coming. But bad news to those who never understood the meaning of Christmas. So I like you to be prepared because Jesus is coming for sure. What are the signs? For example, just to let you know, uh, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 24, these are examples of the signs, okay, which is already happening. The Bible tells us, everybody read, you'll be hearing of wars, rumors of wars, see that you are not frightened. For those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. You see? It's just telling you it's coming closer to the end. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. You know, people don't realize after the establishment of the United Nations, they are hoping there will be world peace. On the contrary, you have more local wars going on today all over the world. Look at this verse. And in various places, there will be what? Famine. Famine. Earthquakes. Just think of how many earthquakes has happened from the time 1900 to 2000 AD, to 2000, okay, 2020. I, I, I have a chart, which I'm not going to show you anymore, but the chart is scary. The number of massive earthquakes has escalated. You know what Jesus is saying? He's shaking the world to say, Gizina, I'm coming soon. Every time there's a big earthquake, you've got to tell your neighbor. That's part of the sign. Massive earthquakes. It's going to happen. Look at the next verse. The Bible tells us, there will be great earthquakes in various places. Ah, anong tawag dito? What is plague? Ayun. COVID-19. Pandemic. Famines. And there will be terrors. Great signs from heaven. You know, climate change is real. But it's beyond our control. It's going to happen. The Bible tells us the waves in the sea, everybody will be so scared. They will not know what's happening. 
But I'm going to tell you something. God's people, don't be afraid. You know why? One of the best signs that I want you to know is Israel. I want to deviate quickly, just a short time, to let you know Christmas is about the first coming, yes? But Christmas, I want to emphasize today, is about the second coming. But why am I connecting the first coming with the second coming? Because if the first coming did happen, and it happened, you can be sure the second coming is going to happen. Amen? However, not everybody is going to be ready for the second coming. So how you respond to the first coming will determine what you'll experience when it comes again. That's why this message is, I'm going to teach you how do you respond to Christmas, the first coming. And I have one word. What is that word? Worship. I want to share with you how do you worship him based on the story of Herod, the scribes, the wise men. Remember how they responded to the first Christmas. But before I do that, I give you a bonus so that you will not always ask us what's happening in the Middle East. This is the answer. You want to know what's happening in the Middle East? Would you like to know? Okay, I'll tell you. It's prophesied. It's a sign that he's coming soon. In the book of Ezekiel, the Bible tells us this is the end times, okay? If you read Ezekiel 36, 37, it talks about the restoration of Israel. How Israel was dispersed, and then the Bible tells us before he comes again, Israel will be restored as a nation. So it's restoration. But in chapter 38, it talks about after the restoration of Israel, this will happen. Set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, prince of Ross, Mishai, Tubal, and prophesy. Now, don't be dogmatic on these places, okay? The word Gog is a title. It's like Pharaoh. It's like the president. It's like the king. So talk to the leader of the land of Magog. Now, many scholars would say this is Moscow. This is Russia, okay? The prince of Ross, Russia, Meshach and Tubal, they want to say this is part of the Turkish, you know, Turkey and upward. Okay? That is the nations of the north. <coughs> Continue reading. Did I hear something? Okay. Continue reading. Behold, I am against you, Prince of Ros, Meshach, and Tubal. Now, where is Ros? What is Meshach? What is Tubal? Again, we don't have to argue to death. But let me share with you what many scholars like to believe. Mishak, they say it's Turkey. Tubal is the regions around Turkey. And then the Bible tells us Persia is present day Iran. The name was changed to Iran in 1935. Ethiopia is not exactly the location of Ethiopia today, this is Sudan but Northern Africa, and put Libya. With them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer, they like to believe this is the regions around Russia with all of its troops. Beth Togarma, Beth Togarma, is, they like to say it's Armenia, it's part of the Eastern Europe. Whatever it is, we don't have to be dogmatic, but one thing is sure, I will tell you, where these nations are located. Would you like to be sure? Or I will share with you. Read the next verse. 
You will come from your place out of the remote parts of the north, meaning countries north of Israel. That's the idea here. You and many people with you, all of them riding a great assembly and mighty army, you will come up against my people Israel. It shall come about in the last days that I will bring up I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know that I am sanctified through you before their eyes. What God is saying, someday all of these nations will align themselves. So you have countries from the north and then you have countries from the south. When I say south, you have Libya, you understand? You have Sudan, but there are nations surrounding Israel. Now what will God do? God says, I'm going to get you in the last days, I believe we are living in the last days. So let's read the next verse. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O God, Prince of Rose, Meshach, and Tubal. A repetition. Now, this is amazing. I will turn you around, drive you on, take you up from the remotest parts of the north, and bring you against the mountains of Israel. God is saying, I'm going to orchestrate this. And then God says, I will strike you. You will fall on the mountains of Israel, you and all your troops. In other words, you guys will be destroyed by Israel. And I will send fire upon Magog and those who inhabit the coastlands. Can I show you a map? Look at this map. This is present-day Israel, okay? So the nations mentioned, they will all go against Israel. So here you have Ross, Russia, you have Meshach, Tubal, Gomer, that's Turkey, and you have all of these other countries. You have Iran, you have Sudan, you have Libya. More or less, the Bible is saying they will align themselves together. You know, at first people don't understand. Why will they align themselves together? People don't realize in the last 2,000 years, you don't hear Russia and Iran working together, except this century, recently. You don't hear of Russia, Iran, aligning, Syria, they're all aligning. Remember, Syria is here, Hezbollah, they're here. Now, a surprising country that will not go against Israel is Egypt and Iraq. Because the Bible says so. Egypt is the first Arab country to sign a peace treaty with Israel. Because the Bible prophesied Egypt and Israel will be together. It's amazing. Iraq will someday also align with Israel. Somebody was sharing with me the greatest number of Christians, Muslims, converting to Christianity is happening in the Middle East. Because the people there are sick and tired of the religion. They realize something's wrong with the religion. Anyway, whatever it is, all I'm telling you is this. Are we living in the end times? Okay. Now, are you ready? So I'll give you a bonus verse, okay? The bonus verse I'll give you is found in Zechariah. Look at Zechariah. Look at what it says. Together, everybody read. I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem. Now, the grammar has changed. It's not all, all the nations, meaning <laughs> all. Someday, 
people will get mad at Israel. Do you think people are getting mad today at Israel? Are they getting mad? Because they don't know history. They think the land belongs to the Palestinians. Study history and you'll be amazed. That is not the case. But that's not my topic today, okay? The Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fight in the day of battle. In that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem, on the east, and on the Mount of Olives. In other words, what will happen? Jesus has to intervene. Because without Jesus intervening, Israel will be destroyed. They cannot fight the entire world. But God says, I will intervene. And when God intervenes, you look at the description of the book of Zechariah. It is describing atomic war. It is describing amazing catastrophe. God is alive. Everything is happening according to schedule. You and I have a choice today to go on life as though this is not true. And you can run your own life or align your life to God's plan. That's why this message is very close to my heart. Christmas, to me, is good news. And that good news tells me that God loves me, that God is on my side, but more than that, God is coming again. That's the good news. Why should he come again? I want to tell you why he's going to come again. Because he's going to impact your future. Is there any more bonus verse? Yeah, one more bonus verse. What will happen to Israel? People say, what will happen to Israel? This is the advanced information I'm going to give you. God says, I will pour out on the house of David, Israel, and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and of supplication. They will look on me, whom they pierce, and they will mourn for him, as one mourns for the only son. And they will weep bitterly over him, like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. The Bible says Israel will come to Jesus because they will see him whom they pierce. And they will all realize we have been mistaken all of these years. He is the Messiah. And the Bible says they will cry. You know why they will cry? Because of what they have been doing to Christians. They don't realize Jesus is the Messiah. So my friend, everything is moving according to God's timetable. What about us? Are you ready? So how do you respond to this amazing story of the coming of Jesus? What did I tell you? How should you respond to Christmas? Remember Christmas is first coming and second coming. So how should you respond? Worship. So what is worship? Let's review. Worship is our response. Everybody read. Worship is our response to who God is, what He has done, what He is doing, and what He will do. Worship is really response. You cannot worship if you do not know what God has done. I like what Nancy said about worship. Nancy's uh, quotation, the most, this girl is the wife of a multimillionaire years ago in the insurance business. She wrote the following. Worship, everybody read, is a believer's response to God's revelation of himself. It is expressing wonder 
Oh, gratitude for the worthiness, the greatness, and the goodness of our Lord. It is the appropriate response to who? To God's person, His provisions, His power, His promises, and His plan. In short, only through Christian can worship. Because only through Christian will know who God is, what He has done for you, and what He's doing, and what He continues to do. There are four characters mentioned in the Bible which I like to share with you how to worship and how not to worship. Are you ready? Remember, first Christmas has happened. And because it has happened, what are we waiting for? Second coming. But how will you experience the second coming? It depends on what you do with the first coming. So let's look at Matthew chapter 2. The Bible tells us, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king. So you have character number one. What's his name? Herod. Character number two, Magi from the east, arrive in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Notice the theme of chapter two is about worship. So what did Herod do? Let's continue reading. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. Gathering all the chief priests and scribes, another group of, this is another character now, you have priests and you have scribes. These are the religious people. So far we have King Herod, you have wise men, and you have the priests and the scribes. They got together, and then Herod asked them, where is the Messiah going to be born? Apparently, they know the Bible. Do you know the scribes answered correctly? Let's see. What did the scribes, what did the priests, what did they say? They said to Herod, everybody read, in Bethlehem of Judea. This is what has been written by the prophet. You, Bethlehem, land of Judea, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. Out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people. Hundreds of years before Christ was born, the book of Micah mentioned this verse. Let's look at Micah. It says, everybody read, As for you, Bethlehem, the word Bethlehem, Beth, is house, Lehem, bread, so Bethlehem is the house of bread, spiritually very significant. It is really where Jesus was born. The Bible tells us, too little to be among the clans of Judah. In short, it's, you are nothing. It's a tiny place. From you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. So the Bible says someday the Messiah will come. And where will he be born? Bethlehem. My friend, I want you to think of the following. The Bible clearly tells us how to identify the Messiah. The Bible tells us, if you look at the prophecy of the first coming, the Messiah will come from the seed of Abraham, Judah, David, born of a virgin, understand? Born in Bethlehem, etc., do you know 
that's the reason why the Jews kept amazing genealogy. Even you will not be able to trace, I don't think you know your great, great, great father. But the Jews kept amazing genealogy. From Adam, believe it or not, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way down to Jesus. And then something happened. In 70 AD, the temple was burned. All the records were destroyed. And because all the records were destroyed, today, nobody among the Jews can say, I am from the tribe of Judah, I am from uh, this tribe, maybe perhaps the priests, because their family name, Cohen, and the Levites. But whatever it is, my whole point is this. God made sure that when the Messiah comes, he is clearly identified. Sorry, huh? he's not going to be a Filipino. He's not going to be born in Quezon City. He's going to be a Jew. Not just any ordinary Jew. He's going to be from the family line of Abraham, Isaac, not just others, Jacob, not just from the others, from King David's line. In other words, you can zero in who is the Messiah. And he'll be born where? Bethlehem. Wow. Not Samaria, not Galilee, not Pasig. Where? Bethlehem. So, this was very clear. Having said that, what happened next? Well, this priest, look at me now, the priest knew. Question, what did they do? The next verse gave us a hint. The priest did not go and look for Jesus. You know who went? Look, Herod secretly called the Magi. The word Magi simply means wise people. Now, so that you will know, Magis are not kings. I don't know why we sing that song, uh, <laughs> kings. These are very educated people. They are astronomers. They also know astrology. They are educated. Remember Daniel? Daniel was one of those Magi. So they are learned. And I realized something. The revelation of God is not just confined to the Jewish people. You have Gentiles. They heard about the coming Messiah. Where did they learn this? Apparently, it was passed on. Perhaps by Daniel. We don't know who. No need to speculate. But one thing I'm sure. Look at this. He sent them to Bethlehem, because that's the prophecy, and said, go and search carefully. You need to search carefully. And when you have found him, report to me so that I too may come and... Do you notice he used the word worship again? Even Herod said, I will worship him. Aha. Uh -huh. Let's find out. Let's read the next verse. After hearing this, they went their way. The star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, I made some research on the star. I don't want to make a big deal out of this, okay? Because for sure, God intervened, yes? But many scientists would like to say this happened in 5 BC. The Chinese astrologers, astronomers, recorded in 5 BC 
Pero va a ser supernova. A supernova is a star that before it dies, it will burst. It, it's going to be brighter than the sun. And it, and it lasted for around 70 days. Some scientists say it is the conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. Doesn't matter. My whole point is this. God intervened. Yes or no? So either it's a supernova or it's a comet or it's a conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter. Whatever it is, they understood. This is a sign for the coming of Jesus. Now let's continue reading. So what happened? Look at this wise man. The Bible tells us, coming to the house, they saw the child with Mary's mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Another word for worship. I'm going to teach you how to worship. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I'm going to explain these gifts also. They are all expensive gifts. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. All right. Let me explain to you. How do you worship God? Let's look at character number one. Herod. Did Herod worship Jesus? No. Why? Look at what the Bible says. The Bible tells us Herod was troubled. Let's go back. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 2, when Herod the king heard, he was troubled. Can I tell you something? To worship God, you must be willing to surrender. Herod wants to be in control. Herod was the king. He was threatened. Herod did not understand Jesus. He did not understand the king of kings came to give him life. He did not understand the king of kings came to help him. For him, Jesus was a threat. Many people today, I hope none of you, you don't surrender your life to Jesus because in your mind, Jesus is a threat to your life, to what you want. My friend, until you are willing to give up self-control, you are going to be like Herod. You'll be troubled. You will not surrender your life to Jesus. And by not surrendering your life to Jesus, there's no true worship. Worship comes when you surrender your own. Herod will not worship. He wants to be the king. He wants to be in control. He wants to... He's enjoying his life. I'm the king. I don't want to be threatened by another king. You see, people today are threatened by Jesus. Can I tell you something? When you come to Jesus, your life will never be the same. Because you surrender. So let me ask you. Are you like Herod? Don't be like Herod. Herod was deceived by sin. He was deceived by himself. He refused to acknowledge Jesus. He wanted to be king. Next, you have the priests and the scribes. The priests and the scribes, to me, are even more dangerous. You know why? They're religious people. They look righteous. They go through the rituals. They know in the head. And there are many people today. You know in the head. But your heart is not there. You know what Jesus described the priest? Jesus said, you are a bunch of hypocrites. I will show you. 
this is what Jesus is saying. You hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy against you. These people honors me with their lips. Their heart is far away from me. In vain do they worship me. Teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. You know what Jesus is saying? These priests, they go through the motion. They go through the rituals. Just like many people today. You go through the rituals. But your heart is not really with God. You don't have relationship. You have religion. And God is saying, worship. It's not just surrender. Worship is having an intimate relationship with Jesus. Meaning, your priorities are transformed. You see, the priests, they enjoy serving God. They go through the motion. They go through the ritual. They're busy. My friend, can I tell you something? God cares about your heart, your worship, more than your busyness. You know, many people are doing things for God for the wrong reasons. God is saying, no, no, no. I want your worship. I want your heart. The way I calibrate my own life on a regular basis, I, I ask myself again and again, Peter, why are you doing what you are doing? And I always tell myself, Lord, I'm going to do this because I love you. Friends, do you love Jesus? Yeah, don't love religion. You love Jesus. Many people are in love with religion. Love Jesus, okay? How do you worship? Be willing to surrender. Don't be like Herod. Have a relationship. Pursue intimacy. And then the wise men. I like the wise men. You know the wise men? Look at what the Bible tells us. They traveled from afar. They risked everything. And what did they do? Let's look at that verse. When they met Jesus. Let's look at that verse. The Bible tells us, okay? They fell to the ground and worshipped who? Notice. They did not worship Mary. They did not worship Joseph. They worshipped him. Who is this him? Jesus. They worship Jesus. Then opening their treasures. What can you learn about worship? Worship involves giving. Worship involves not just the mind. It's the heart. It's everything in your life. People often ask me, Peter, why don't you pass the offering boxes? I tell our friends from other churches, I teach our people that God owns everything, and if you love God and you worship Him, you will what? Give. Now, you can give without worship, without loving God, but I guarantee you, you cannot worship without giving. Worship always involves what? Giving. Look at what they did. The Bible tells us they presented him gifts. Gold. This is for kings. Frankincense. This is symbolic of what the priests do inside the temple. Very expensive. When you pray, when, when you have incense, it smells very good. And what is this? Oh, can you pronounce this word for me? Huh. Louder? Mir. Mir is used for embalmment. But mir is very expensive also. What I'm saying is this. The wise men traveled from afar, gave their time to pursue the Lord and to worship Him. My friend, I praise God for all of you who are here today. You gave your time. 
Do you know you could have worshipped at home in your pajama? Pretending, you know, you know, you know how it is, right? It's a Zoom. You can worship at the same time and look at your cell phone. But no, you know, I praise God you are here today. Notice when you are here, are you focused? Yes or no? Yes. I'm teaching all of us. Worship is prioritizing God, prioritizing Jesus. And you know, when you worship Jesus, do you think he knows? I think so. Do you think God is pleased when you and I worship him? Yeah. Pharaoh cannot worship Jesus. He wants to be the king. He wants to be in control. The priests, the scribes, cannot worship because they prefer religion more than relationship with the Lord. They go through the rituals. The wise men, I praise God, they pursue Jesus. Now before we go to say goodbye to you, I want you to remember the shepherds. What did the shepherds do? You see, I like the shepherds because they are ordinary people. You may not be like the wise men. You may not have all the money. You may not have all the treasures. But you can still worship. Can I tell you how the shepherd worshipped Jesus? I'll tell you how they did it, okay? Let's look at Luke chapter 2. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds... Now, remember, shepherds are really lowly people, okay? They're not even allowed to testify in court. They're not really not respected. In fact, sometimes they're not even allowed to enter the temple because the shepherds are really looked down. Whatever it is, these are simple people. You know what hit me? The gospel message was first preached, not to the rich people, not to the king, but the people like shepherds. You know why? The gospel is for all. And you know what the shepherds did? The Bible tells us, they began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem. Then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Notice, they acted based on what they know. That's how you worship God. That's how you grow. You act based on what you know. Then God will give you more revelation. Many people, they are so fond of Bible study and Bible study, Bible study. Their head is full of knowledge but no obedience. No, no. What you know, you obey. What you don't know, you leave that to God. Amen? What do they know? That's all, all they know. Messiah was born. It's in Bethlehem. Boom. They went. They came in a hurry. In a hurry. Now, let me ask you, what happened to the sheep? What happened? Ido? They left behind. You know, sometimes worship involves faith. You act on what God wants you to do. You have to entrust to God your life, your family, your everything. You know why? Do you believe God cares for you? All right? Sometimes you have to step out in faith. You know, to me, I was just thinking, if I were the shepherds, I would say, take a moment, take a moment. No, no. If something is important, Will you do it? That's worship. Prioritizing the Lord. Read the next verse. The Bible tells us, When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. In other words, worship is just telling others what God has told you. It's praising God. Look, 
And all who heard wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. You, you see, how do you worship God? You go back, you glorify God by what? By praising Him, by thanking Him. My friend, you are worshiping God tonight. Amen? Amen. I want you to really worship God. Now that you have heard and seen, what must you do? Worship. So how do you worship? Don't be like Pharaoh. Surrender your own. How do you worship Jesus? Relationship. Love Him. Not religion. How do you worship God? Give Him your best. Whatever is your best, offer to Him. How do you worship God? Tell others about Jesus. Amen? Now, as we close, two possibilities when Jesus comes again. This is what's going to happen. Those who worship him and those who don't worship him. You want to know what will happen? As we close. You know why Jesus has to come again? I will tell you why he has to come again. The reason why Jesus has to come again, look at me now. Number one, he promised. And number two, he has to fix this world. This world is a mess. He has to fix it. Injustice is all over the place. He has to come back to fix our problems. And I have good news for you. The good news is he's going to come to fix the problem. No peace, no justice, no fairness. Yes or no? Do you know of many injustices going on today? Injustices? Unfairness? Don't worry. Let's look at what the Bible tells us. Second Thessalonians was written to encourage God's people the good news. Don't be discouraged. I want you all not to be discouraged. Look at what the Bible tells us. When Jesus comes again, after all, it is only just. In other words, God is a God of justice. It is only just. It's only right for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. You see, today, many Christians are suffering. They are being afflicted by ungodly people. God is saying in Tagalog, my araw din sila. In Tagalog, so copy me. My araw din sila. Yeah, my araw din. If you don't like your neighbor, tell your neighbor, my araw karin. <laughs> right. There will be a day. Okay? There will be a day. And notice, everyone read, to give relief to you who are afflicted. To us as well, when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire. The Bible tells us this is good news for God's people. You know why? He will give you relief. I know some of you are hurting. Perhaps you are living with a family or with people who don't love the Lord. They are abusing you. Or maybe you came from a family that is dysfunctional. But because you are a Christian... You are doing your best to love people. You are doing your best to be good. And sometimes, what happens? By being honest, like I met somebody from Baguio, he surrendered 500 million pesos worth of contract because he refused to bribe. I cried when I heard that. This guy is a real Christian. There are people today who are willing to let go of money for the sake of following the Lord. 
I know of a wife this week when she discovered her husband was being unfaithful. She made a choice. I will forgive my husband. I will live with him. Even though in her heart, I'm sick and tired of this husband of mine. But you know what? He, she wanted to live for Jesus. And I praise God, okay? They seem to be on the right track. But I'm just telling you, Jesus is going to come again. When he comes again, what will happen to you? He will give you, everybody read? Relief. You need relief? I think so. And then the Bible tells us, look at the next verse. Dealing out retribution. Huh. Now, this is bad news for people who don't worship Jesus. Dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you notice? The mark of people who don't know the Lord, they don't obey. They don't worship. Dealing out retribution. God is a just God. He's going to bring justice. This will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. Away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. This message is so serious that I want you to know the consequences of you not understanding the first Christmas and not responding properly. You know what's going to happen to you? Only two possibilities. You will be happy when He comes again or it will be the worst nightmare of your life. The Bible tells us this will pay the penalty of eternal destruction. Do you know the word destruction, eternal? This word destruction does not mean annihilation. It simply means the loss of well-being. The same word is used to describe when Jesus talked about you put wine in new wine, if not the new wine skin will be destroyed. That's the same word. Loss of well-being, not annihilation. The Bible does not teach about annihilation. It talks about you are away from the presence, away from the presence of the Lord. My friend, you now begin to understand why when Jesus comes again, there will be some people who will get what they deserve. You know why? In fact, everybody will get what they deserve. If you don't like Jesus today, why do you want him to come again? You don't want him. So he says, you don't want me? Away, away from me when I come back. You don't want me? Okay, go away. But for you, do you want Jesus? You want to be his present? Jesus has come. Simple. You see, I'm a sinner. Saved by grace. When Jesus died on the cross for me, I know he paid for my sin. Remember, the first coming, he came as Savior. He's going to come again as judge. Let's read. Last. Everybody read. This is the good news. When he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed. Our testimony to you is to believe. In other words, we believers, we will be amazed at the glory of Jesus and we will glorify him. But more than that also, he says, you also will be glorified. Wow, what does that mean? So that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him. Wow. 
You know, I can only imagine one day when he comes again, all of God's people will be identified and God will say, come. That will be the most amazing day for God's people. Amen? Are you excited? Okay, praise God. My friend, what is the message today? What, what, what's the message? <laughs> Let's worship Jesus. Amen. This Christmas, may I suggest you do something drastic this coming Monday. You worship Jesus. You tell your friends. You tell your family. Give them a simple Bible study of what Christmas is. Christmas is good news. Jesus came to be our Savior, but He's coming again. Now, if you are not ready today, in your heart, you are not ready. I have good news for you. God is waiting for you to surrender. God is waiting for you to turn over your life to Him. He will never reject you. That's why you are here today. You are not here by accident. This Christmas will be the best Christmas of your life if you learn to surrender. Don't be like Herod. Amen. Don't be like the priest. All head knowledge. No transformation. Let's bow our heads and pray. If God has spoken to you and you want to surrender your all to Jesus, you finally, you, you understood. Today you understand. Will you raise your hands? Higher. You want to surrender your all to Jesus today. In fact, I will make this so easy for you. Since God knows your heart, wherever you are, I will pray for you. If you really want to surrender your all to Jesus today, you don't want to be like a Herod who wants to be in control. You want to surrender, to really worship Him as your Lord and Savior. I want you to pray with me this prayer. But before you pray with me, I'd like you to stand up in humility. Stand up and pray this prayer with me. Those who want to surrender your all. If you have surrendered your life to Jesus, that's okay. But if you have not yet surrendered your all, you want to be serious with Him, you say, Lord... I realize who you are, the King of Kings. I surrender my own. I acknowledge you as my Lord and my Savior. That's, that is your desire. That's your prayer. You pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I thank you that you died on the cross to pay for my sins. Today, I accept you. I surrender my life to you. You be my King. Help me not to be like Herod who wants to be in control. Help me not to be like the priest who has had knowledge but no heart. Help me to be like the wise man who will prioritize you. And help me to be like the shepherd who will praise you and worship you. And let this be our lifestyle. A life of worship day by day moment by moment we live for you Lord Jesus I thank you for all these people who raise their hands assure them of your love assure them of your presence and assure them of your forgiveness and I thank you that someday you will give relief to us who are hurting you will bring about justice and you will reward your people because you are a good God in Jesus name we all pray Amen and Amen God bless you Merry Christmas Thanks for listening. We'd love to stay connected with you, so make sure to subscribe to our podcast or join an Elevate group through chatting with us. See you at our next podcast.